As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So almost 10 years after the first ball was kicked by a City player in the Champions League, the club is preparing to take part in its first ever final. It's been quite the journey, as you'd probably expect with City. Not a normal journey, as it's seen ridiculous performances, eliminations on the narrowest margins, one at the hands of VAR, some incredible bad luck, and even a two-year ban from the competition later overturned at the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Some teams just build on their growing experience year on year to improve, not City. Let's just say that they've taken the scenic route to the final, but here we are. This is a bonus edition of Why Always Us, the Athletics Manchester City podcast. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Hello. Uh, and you know what, Sam? It's starting to get to me now, the nerves. Didn't think it would, but here uh, yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, well, f- not surprising, is it? Like, it's, a, it's a huge game. Um, it could cap, I don't know, it'd be the best season City have ever had. Uh, and it, yeah, it, yeah. I, I get it, I get it. Yeah, but uh, we're going to talk it all through, so uh, so hopefully that will make me and everybody listening uh, feel a bit better by the end of the show. Um, you can subscribe to The Athletic right now for a price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price. You'll get access to great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of the podcasts as well. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod to get this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod. Um, so let's start with that, Sam, that, that feeling of, uh, of just how important this game is for City. Um, I, I, because one one part of the back of my mind that I can't really weigh up right now is whether the importance will have an effect on the players and Guardiola. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, there was one interesting little line in... Oh, God, there's so many interviews this week, it's hard to keep up. But Guardiola, he did the Match of the Day interview, didn't he, which was most famous for him saying, this is the match of the day interview after the, the game on, on Sunday. And that was most famous for him saying, if people think this is just about money, they've made a big fucking mistake. Yeah. But he, he, he was talking about the final, and it was just one of those throwaway lines. He just said, hopefully the pressure's not too much for the players. But then, you know, he carried on, and, you know, but we're well prepared, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. Um, he did a... He he was on, God, what is it, some like a Twitch stream in Italy on Saturday. I Oh, he's not become a Twitch was, gamer now, has he? <laughs> well, <laughs> the biggest news is Aguero's stopping. I, I see that yesterday was his... Well, he's stopping for three or four months. He says he needs to go and find somewhere to live and 
and all this and you know just get his life sorted i guess in oh, terms of no you know, moving moving to barcelona or that kind of thing <laughs> and he said copa america and that so yeah that is a shame but somebody's done a thread i'll, I'll retweet it later on when i when i'm back uh and somebody's just reached like yeah somebody did a thread of like translating all the, the stuff he said but i mean the the, the thing with aguero though it's, it's the delivery it's not like you, you need to sit yeah anyway he's he's crazy um but no guardiola he did it with vieri christian vieri does something um and he went on and he was talking about his career he didn't say too much about city and like these quotes haven't really done the rounds actually and i've just yeah. now i've i was hoping to save them for an article after the final but now i'm saying them on here they're now going to appear <laughs> online aren't they but um good luck finding them he said he, basically it was like my barcelona team they used to play the champions league finals like friendlies they were like all those guys so experienced so confident they used to play all those they didn't it didn't phase them at all yeah and then he was just asked later on about City and he was like, yeah, we're not so used to these friendlies. So, like, obviously, it's just a different situation. Yeah. Like, it is it's it is the first final. But I know Chelsea have won it before, but how, like, if City were playing like Real Madrid or Barca, even though they're comparatively crap compared to City, you'd be like, oh, yeah, well, they've got the experience and that counts for something. Or, you know, I, I don't even know. Bayern Munich, obviously. But like with Chelsea, I know they've won it, but like nine years ago, nobody in the squad then is involved. I suppose Petr Cech is, but then Gundogan is. You know, Gundogan got to a final at least. It's it's very kind of I don't know. I I I think both are heading in in a kind of nervous position in terms of the narrative. We understand that it's a final, so you've got to be nervous. But um, so I, well, what I think the difference is going to be is just the fact that City have been playing under Pep for five years. They're so confident. They're the best team. Like the form was a, a little bit weird recently, but when they, you know, that was when they had a changed team and obviously 10 men at Brighton with that referee and performance and all that kind of stuff. But the confidence must surely come from the fact that they know exactly what they're doing on the pitch. They've been yeah. doing it for years. They've been doing it for months in particular in this rhythm. And Chelsea are a really good team. They are really good and they could cause an upset and, you know, they might win the final, whatever, something might happen. But I don't, I don't know if they can be as, like, just like subconsciously confident in their own, we've got, because it's, they're just not as experienced and they're not as entrenched in what they need to be doing as City are. And like I say, they could still win. That might not be the most important thing. But if we're talking about nerves and stuff, I think City can, yeah, they... They look at what City they need are, to do. are kind of more ready in that sense. Yeah, they look at what they need to do. Like we said before, and I think it would be wrong now just because of like the upcoming match nerves to change this. But I always said if they get past PSG, well, no, I always said PSG will be the hardest, the hardest game they've got to face. And the implication being, if they get past that, then they should win the final, whether they play Chelsea or Madrid. And I still believe that. So you know, City, they know what they've got to do. They'll be shown the opposition and what they do and what City need to do to stop them which is what they always do and yet again it's the same for the Chelsea players but City are better yeah. City are a better team they're more experienced they're more confident and that's that's just yeah I, so I, I'm not sure if if those kind of pre-match nerves and look maybe you know if you say un- uncharacteristic mistake or maybe even characteristic mistake because everybody knows the poor old Walker and Stones everybody says oh they've got a mistake in them or like, even Diaz like when he played Anfield like you, you can never legislate or Zinchenko like you can never legislate for anyone making a mistake and maybe that'll happen but I don't know if that'll be nerves or I don't know I don't know but I yeah. think overall in terms of the team setup they're, they're in a good position for sure 
Well, Sam, I've been uh, basically dissecting Guardiola and uh, Gundogan's press conference from earlier this week. Uh, so well, I mean, how confident to... are they? And just like relaxed and yeah. They, uh, I, I was going to say the one the one thing that I found through the pair of them was just how kind of laid back the press conferences were, and that's that's yeah, been yeah, yeah. almost from Guardiola as well. That's been a bit of a running theme for for this season. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember as well. He said earlier this season that he had a good feeling about the Champions League this year. Um, mm. He was asked specifically about that comment, but uh, I'm afraid <laughs> he wasn't biting. No, I never thought, Rob, in the beginning of the season that this was the season to get the final Champions League. Listen, we are quite similar teams as they were in the past when we were out. The margins are little details and this this year was in, fell down on our side and when the many years or few years ago was the opposite. So no change much. So now it's, we were, yeah, quite, quite satisfied to get the final, but uh, we know that uh, if you have a huge desire to win it, a huge desire to know exactly what you have to do, the best of us, or will not be possible to 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 win the the game or win the Champions League. Now that's that's all. It's it's not changing his tune. He's just not biting on what he what he'd said earlier in the season. But something has changed, doesn't it, yeah. in the, the, this season? Well, they, well, I mean, there's two things there, and obviously one of them is that yeah, months ago, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was like early in the season, wasn't it? Early. And he said, I've got a good feeling about the Champions League this year. And yeah, somebody somebody tweeted us about it the other day, didn't they? And I said I'd go and ask him. I did ask, but I haven't had a, resp- a response. So I'm just gonna have to go with what I think he meant and what and what well why he said it. But it was so early in the season, obviously let's not forget this was a time in the season when they weren't playing particularly well. I was gonna say so they were either, playing awfully uh, at the time. Either he was just buying himself some time and making himself look really confident and just, you know, diverting things away from the fact that you know, because I suppose I can't. You know, I can't even remember if it was a pre-Champions League match press conference or just a Premier League game. But there's, a, it's possible that you know, if it had just said just normal stuff or whatever, or oh, we need to give the players a break or whatever, then the headlines would be a bit more negative and you know, just kind of tie into that cycle that was around the team at that time. So maybe he was just saying it just to kind of be like, oh, you know, there's actually a bit of positivity there. They think they can do it, and maybe you know, he didn't believe it any more than than he does now because the second part of it is how things have been similar in recent years like basically I'm, I'm I'm working on an article which can be used whatever the result of the final but obviously if they win then it'll go up sooner but the content is basically going to be the same because it's not going to be if they win oh the last 10 years yeah it's all fine it's all been a it's all been this great journey and blah 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 and I don't want it to be if they lose oh you know the last 10 years have been a shambles and blah, blah blah it's just kind of as he was saying there there have been times in the past where they've deserved to go through and they haven't, or they've missed out on... It's kind of been like a bit of a snakes and ladders situation, hasn't it? But generally, just full of snakes, ultimately. Yeah. And that's why it's been so frustrating for him, because whatever he did, and like whatever the logic... So I'll go back to that Spurs game, you know, at Tottenham, at the new stadium, you know, when he, when he played the more tight system. You know, I've, I've, that was fair enough, but, you know, Aguero missed the penalty and Son got a yard of space from Delph, who hadn't played in like three months, which, fine, was weird. But like that, that was fine, and then the the the, the return game just mad. So all of these things, that's what he's saying there. You know, it's not like they've been so much better this season. They've they've always done good things, or sometimes they've done bad things. Um, and there's you know there's highs and lows which will be highlighted in this article. But yeah, I think that's just what he's saying there. The second point really is nothing's majorly changed this season. You couldn't look at everything and say it's all good. I remember something that Dominic Torrent told me when I interviewed him for the article on Guardiola overthinking things. And obviously he was like, no, he, you know, he, if he overthinks, in inverted commas, it's like, it's every game. And he was like, you know, p- people criticise when you lose. 
but like why don't people criticize when you win and it's like that's always difficult for a journalist because as we saw the other day any any article with like a hint of negativity and after a nice thing is just not well received but his being a bit similar to what Guardiola says and it'll be based in exactly the same thing rooted in exactly the same thing is just because you win it doesn't mean you were the better team or you had the better plan and just because you lose it doesn't mean you're worse and like there's been elements of that this season hasn't there with like the Dortmund game and you know Bellingham's goal being harshly disallowed or you know obviously the, the PSG game where like I said City weren't that bad in the first half at all in the sense that they didn't go out of the game they didn't lose their heads they kept themselves in it but it but felt like, they were you know, a mile the goals away were didn't they? Across yeah. and you know a free kick that went through the wall and stuff and like I said if that had happened to City and they'd lost with those two goals you'd be like well City were alright you know they, they were unlucky with those goals so it, he's kind of it, it's that kind of thing you know he's probably saying not everything we've done this season has been brilliant and not everything we've done in the recent past has been shit but if we go back to why he did say it in the first place and, and if it was genuine and if he did have that feeling <sighs> I mean, because look, the atmosphere behind the scenes, it wasn't great. And, you know, that's why Fernandinho had that chat with him and, you know, why he said he didn't like the team and the performances on the pitch and stuff. So if it was genuine, then I can only imagine it was rooted in them, when yeah. it, in him feeling that they're defensively solid and that maybe that was the platform. Yeah, but it's really weird as well because um, it came not long, essentially, after that Leon defeat last season that... that you know, was it, it was it almost felt like the nadir for City in the Champions League because it was a game they should have won, and they, you know, it, it, the tactics were completely different to what what he would normally do, and it just didn't work on the night, and they were incredibly disjointed, all that sort of stuff. Um, this is this was what Gundogan said when he was asked about whether that affects um, whether the the game basically affected the start of the season and and, and had a bit of a hangover effect. Me personally, it took a while to be honest uh, because uh, it was yeah, it was a big disappointment at the end of the day. It was something maybe we didn't expect also ourselves, you know, to to lose that game. We felt quite good. We felt confident, and obviously, when you feel like that and you lose it. Um, you're frustrated, you're sad, you might be a little bit angry. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, you don't have really a choice. And that's the good part, in my opinion. Um, so we went on holiday, we came back, we trained uh, just a few days, maybe, and we straight had to go into the next season. So we didn't really have a choice uh, apart from just trying again. I feel this year, maybe a couple of crucial things changed for us compared to last year. I remembered just before as well, that um, as an example, against Monaco a few years ago, we conceded three goals at home. Uh, when we played Tottenham and they knocked us out, we conceded again three goals at home. When we played Lyon, we conceded three goals. Um, and this year, we it seems to be that we are just so stable, you know, also in the back, you know, concede just a few amount of goals. Uh, and that just helps us, you know, to win even more. And um, yeah, um, I feel like we are very strong, we are stable, um, and this is so important in these crucial moments, you know, especially in the knockout stages and the big games. So, Sam, Goodwin's putting it down to the fact that they aren't conceding a lot of silly away goals, which has always been a, which is a help in the Champions League, let's be honest. Um, yeah. And it kind of backs up what you were saying about them just feeling a lot more sound in, 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 in how they're defending. Yeah, well, I mean, that's been the... That's been the theme of the season, obviously. But if yeah, if we're going back to what Guardiola saw in September, October, November, whenever he said it, then it could only have been that. Um, look, I don't, 
I remember you saying after, was it the Southampton game when they won a week before Christmas about how, oh yeah, you know, if they're defensively solid, they might be able to grind out a title win. And I was like, look, they have to play better than this. Maybe they would have <laughs> won the title with playing like they did against Southampton, you know, without all the stuff that came in January and yeah. February. Um, but I don't know, I doubt it. And I doubt they would have got to the Champions League as well. So they obviously needed some change, but maybe at least Guardiola saw, you know, maybe this is one of the things that like Juan Marleo was positive for you know because he was always like sees the positive in the team and say look we're doing this really well we're doing this really well and maybe he was like look well we've got this defensive solidity i like what we're doing because like i said a million times we didn't necessarily spot the defensive improvement in october and november when diaz signed because we were looking at what they weren't really doing elsewhere but they weren't conceding goals were they and maybe maybe that's what it was based on um but yeah they've but they've evolved so much since then obviously and they're not yeah they're not grinding out games, are they? They're playing on the front foot and they're playing very good football. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman and I'm here to tell you what The Athletic has planned across its podcast network during the Euros. My pod with David Ornstein will become The Athletic's England show throughout the tournament to bring you all the latest news and insight from inside the England camp every single day. Then we'll also have nightly editions of the Totally Football Show, taking a look at all the big talking points from the competition and looking ahead to the next day's fixtures. Now, if you're feeling nostalgic for tournaments past, we've produced an eight-part documentary series that tells some fascinating stories from both on and off the pitch from the last eight Euros. Elsewhere... Michael Cox's Zonal Marking Pod will offer an in-depth tactical breakdown of all the biggest games, while Adam Hurry's Football Cliché Show will take a look at the tournament's alternative storylines. So, as this never-ending domestic season finally draws to a close, we'll have plenty of Euro 2020 coverage for you to enjoy as the tournament gets underway in just a couple of weeks' time. Well, let's talk uh, Tuchel's Chelsea because it's uh, two defeats to them already. Um, I guess, crucially, none when City's most informal 11 have played because they've not faced each other yet. Um, this is what Guardiola said in the press conference uh, about uh, Chelsea's style and the problems that they can cause. When they have the ball, it's difficult to control them for the fact that they are so close. The distances between the players in the middle, they are so close. Related to them, the two holding midfielders, they move perfectly between each other. And in the same time, they have they make the, the pitch wide with the wingbacks and so deep with uh, with the movements for the burner. So that's why it's difficult to control because with that movement, they move perfectly with Pulisic and Mount in the pockets. And once they get the ball, they are so direct. They are not the players for the pass the ball. They are the, the movement so, so clever. That's why. I saw this morning, the game, yesterday they played Aston Villa and the first time they were losing 1-0, but they played good in terms of they control the game, they know exactly what they have to do. The process, the mythology, all the, you know, the process they do, they do it really well. So that's why it's a, it's a final, you know, it's a final Champions League. So I could not expect, you know, less tough, uh, no opening. And so we know it and, and okay, we're going to, uh, to face them, uh, knowing what you have to do to win, to beat them. So I'm more concerned what you have to do with the ball. So it's a team created to do what you have to do the ball. Our strategy without the ball is run. 
as much as possible. And our strategy as a team from the day one when we arrive is what we do with the ball. And this is what I'm going to work the last two two three days before the final before the final Saturday. Now I know Sam, we're going over a little bit of old ground on this one, but um, I, I do think it's worth kind of reinforcing this before the final. Um, it's very easy to look at those two defeats and 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 suggest that uh, it could cause problems for City, given that you know Tuchel's got experience in how to play City. Except he hasn't got experience in how to play the most informal level. He's not played the as I mean as you said the lived experience is is one of the biggest assets that you can have. Um, I think you made the point after the PSG game. Um, you know the corners in that first game were, were you know City might have prepared for them, but there's nothing like actually facing them. And once you face them, you know kind of how to how to do it. Um, Tuchel's Chelsea side haven't faced City at their at their biggest and their best so far this season, so they might know what they're going to do, but they haven't got the lived experience of of, of how to deal with it. And that, I mean, it might yeah. be nothing, but I mean, it, neither it, of City, yeah. neither of City. I mean, that is um, true, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, that that that's definitely part of it. Like we said before, that wasn't the the biggest reason for the selection of that Chelsea game. He kind of wanted his players to go in fresh. And I was speaking to. A mate about this after the game on on Sunday actually, and he said that's a load of bollocks. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe it is. Um, but no, um, and yeah, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be like downplaying those results, really, because like, I'm going to be doing the Chelsea podcast this week, and then we're doing like a live podcast on Thursday afternoon, and it's like I'll be making the same point, but you don't want a load of Chelsea fans going, oh, we still be, and it's like, no, I know, like, deserve those wins. But yeah, the relevance to the final is patchy, in my opinion. And like, maybe they think, oh yeah, well we've got the confidence boost because we talked about narratives before and, and how they work, and you can you can look at confidence however you want. But my point at the time was, there's three weeks to go into the game, and look what's happened to Chelsea since then. I mean, yeah. they were looking not to finish outside the top four, but I mean, obviously they did, so maybe they'll be happy. But that just goes to show, like how complex the whole idea of confidence is. Because okay, they're in the top four, so they've achieved that goal. But they did lose. They did lose, and they were lucky to do it. And they lost against Arsenal, uh, and they lost the FA Cup final. So where's their confidence now? Are they just because they beat a City team with a back three and Mendy? What relevance does that have? So yeah, like they deserve their wins. Well, just about you know because <laughs> of the penalty. Actually, obviously, if Aguero had scored the penalty, <laughs> Sterling would have had that one given. Then you know they wouldn't have won. So it's, I'm not even like they deserved it. But yeah, but the point is. After talking myself around in circles, the point has always been the same. The yeah. relevance to the final for me is non-existent. And look, maybe it, like I've always said, Chelsea could win. If Chelsea win, fine. But I, I don't think anybody we would be talking about because because they beat City's much changed eleven with Ferran Torres and Raheem Sterling in midfield three weeks before. And I don't think that will be a factor whatsoever. But and also we'll never know. Like we will never know. But I'm pretty confident that's the case. Yeah, I find it funny as well, Sam, that uh, Guardiola was asked about um, the the end of the season and you know uh, the fact that City's season had been over for a while in the league and they could kind of coast through the last few games. Chelsea had to fight until the last day and you know lost a couple of mm-hmm. games here and there. Uh, and he was asked, "Will it be significant?" And he just said, "It will be significant if we win, and it won't be significant if we lose." So uh, yeah, basically, exactly. if if, exactly. You know, if City win the, the the final, then it will be because City got the rest. If if Chelsea win it, it'll be because they had the rhythm of having to play important games. So it is well, literally. It's all, bollocks. It's all narratives, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is all bollocks. It is, and like, yeah, exactly. And like, what well, I can't remember which game it was, but me and you were talking. Was it when they lost the FA Cup 
and we were saying how you know some people on Twitter are like, oh well, you know they'll be really they'll be really determined now not to lose two finals, and some people will be like, oh their motivation's really low now because they've lost and they've lost the <laughs> FA Cup and they've got no confidence. It's just bollocks. Like we we've no idea how it affects them. Like, and there might be some effect for some players and and different effects for others. Like, and and on the on the day it might come down to a mistake from whatever reason, or it might be a, a great you know like. Gareth Bale's overhead kick against Liverpool. That's not a mistake. You know, it's something, it's just something mad might happen. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all bollocks. But look, if you look at if you look at how the two teams finished the season, and look, Everton were like really passive. And it's going to be a harder, a much harder game than against Chelsea, obviously. But City were just so slick, weren't they? And like people were concerned about De Bruyne coming back. Is he being rushed back? Or, you know, or is it and I was less saying, well, even if well, not if he's not being rushed back, because he wouldn't have played. But I was like, well, we know he can be rusty. So I mean, at least get it out of his system. But there was just no rust from any of them. There was, they were so slick. I mean, the defense wasn't ten out of ten, but like City, it was just a proper performance on Sunday. Yeah. And even the Brighton game be useful again. This is to be fair. This is probably me applying positives, and it's all bollocks. But like, in terms of match fitness, because you know, like Foden and I can't remember exactly who, because I know Gundogan played it. Uh, against Newcastle, didn't he? But uh, quite a lot of the expected Champions League final starters didn't play, did they? In the in the games after City won the league, or it was like they had like about ten ten days off. So that yeah, with this with the Chelsea game and the Newcastle game, they had a, a long rest. But then the Brighton game, at least, and they played with ten men for however long. So you got your match fitness there. You haven't got your rhythm on the ball because City didn't really have the ball and they kind of stayed back in their shape. But you know, at least they had some kind of. You know, it, like minutes Work, in their legs yeah, and whatever. Workouts, and like I say, the Everton the Everton game was was a good sign as well. So, but yeah, ultimately it'll just depend on what happens on the night. And there'll be, I think, there'll be bigger factors. But in terms of going back to your first question and first statement about the nerves kicking in, I can completely get it. Like, obviously, but like, and I'll I'll probably be nervous for them on the night because obviously I want City to win. Um, but they're in a good place for sure. Yeah, we can pretty much name City's eleven already for this game, Sam. There's one or two question marks that that still remain. I think. Um, I think the first one. I mean, the, the biggest and most obvious one is, I guess, Cancelo or, or Zinchenko. And I'm I'm getting the feeling it'll be Zinchenko now. Well, yeah. To be honest, I've always thought it was it was going to be Zinchenko. Basically, since uh, basically since it, uh, Cancelo got taken off after an hour against PSG. But just the fact that then Zinchenko was so good in the second leg. The only question for me has been Rodri or Fernandinho. Well, I was going to come on to this one I think it's going to be Fernandinho. Yeah, I think it's going to be Fernandinho. Yeah, because, I mean, I I wondered how much of... um, I mean, Fernandinho came in for the the second leg against PSG anyway, didn't he, for for Rodri? But it was was that game at Brighton where... Was it the third goal, the Trossard goal? Um, where Rodri again made a blind pass backwards and just mm. played it straight to him. And it's, that's a couple of times this season now where it's almost as if that's a little bit of a blind spot for him. Yeah, and again, you know when I sometimes said, and I'm, I'm not sure actually, I can't remember if what actually happened corresponded with my theory, but you know how I said when we were thinking, oh, maybe Laporte will play against PSG because Stones has been banned in the league and whatever. And I was like, I think he'll go with the players that, you know, got a better attitude. Um, I'm trying to, because that would have been Zinchenko and Stones, but I think maybe before the first game against PSG, it obviously was Cancelo, so it, it didn't fully correspond. But obviously Fernandinho is this great guy that they all love, and Rodri doesn't look too happy about being left out. And obviously there's a few of those players, and like obviously Sterling has played a lot recently, um, but he's he's one of those, and Laporte has played quite a bit. 
since you know being one of those players six months ago now. So it doesn't dictate fully who plays, but I don't know if 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 it's just one of those things where it's like all things are equal, maybe then then that that's one of the deciding factors. But I don't think all things are equal. I think Fernandinho is playing better. Yeah. And I think they kept him on the other day because he got six days rest. So, you know, if the Ch- if the Champions League final was tonight, then it'd come off. And I think it's probably the same with De Bruyne because he just come back from injury. So it's like, you play 90 minutes, you get yourself into that rhythm. You know, they all know the minutes they need to play and it's different for what works for for one player is different for another. So I'm, I'm, that was probably the thinking behind it. And yeah, so if I had to guess the team, and look, this is this is the other thing, I guess, because I'll, I'll pick my team and then we'll get onto that. So I think it'd just be Edison, Walker, Stones and Diaz, Zinchenko, Fernandinho, uh, Bernardo and Gundogan, wherever you want to put Bernardo, and then Mares, De Bruyne, and Foden. It just yeah. seems easy to me. That's, it, that's like, the eleven that I'd go with. It's very similar to the the games in the the last the last well all the knockout stages really, but there's been a bit of changing around with Zinchenko and Fernandinho. But I don't think they deserve to lose their place. Um, but the other thing is Guardiola keeps saying he's got two ideas, and it's like, what are these ideas? Like, is it something <laughs> subtle? Is it something subtle like they put? I don't know. Like they don't press in a four. Well, they don't. They don't play in a four-four-two out of possession. You know, they don't put De Bruyne and Bernardo up as like a two-man forward line when they're pressing. You know, is it something a bit more subtle? Do they press with a three, or is it that, or is he thinking let's play a three at the back? Like I, I don't, and I don't know. Like I don't know. But he, and maybe he's maybe again maybe he's it's he's talking bollocks and it's keeping the players on the toes and it's keeping Chelsea. To be honest, he, I don't think he was really one for mind games with other teams. It really annoys me, you know, when he's like, oh, De Bruyne won't play. And you see, like, Liverpool fans or United fans in the past would be like, oh, De Bruyne's definitely going to play. It's like, yeah. no, he's not going to no, play. He doesn't play, he doesn't do that, yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's, Guardiola doesn't really fuck around. He, he genuinely always forgets he was injured because he goes, oh, yeah, everyone's fit. And then it's like, what about the guy who's been injured for six months? He's like, oh, yeah, of course not. Um, but, yeah, he's not really one for the mind games. But it, it might be something to his own players or it's, it's mainly to, if, any, if he's playing games with anyone, it's the media, isn't it? You know, it's projecting a certain perception yeah um but yeah i do wonder and maybe it maybe is terrified he's got i'm terrified, not, I'm terrified that out. we're gonna see a back three again now i know <laughs> but, but again again going back to narratives and that what if they play a back three and they and it and works they win. Yeah. I, yeah and then yeah. and then that is that is the end of overthinking for yeah. good because it's like okay well maybe he did but, but yeah crazy yeah, narrative, narrative, narrative. I want to I want to play this just before we move on from uh, Fernandinho, Sam, because uh, Gundogan was asked about Fernandinho this season, yeah, this good. Um, and it was a, a really good answer. So I just want to hear what he said. I really can't impress how important Fernandinho is to us as a group. He's immense. Um, obviously, he didn't get maybe as much game time as others in the squad in this season, but. He exactly knows his role. He exactly knows his responsibility. He exactly knows what he has to do and what he has to say in the right times as well. And this is what a leader is. A leader is not always the one maybe who is scoring the goals or who is uh, playing every single minute, um, who has the best passing rate, whatever. A leader is someone who is not to, who is not scared also to say in bad moments the truth and um, to have that sense of empathy inside himself and uh, to understand his personal role. And even though his personal role from a sporting perspective was maybe not the easiest one, the way he handled it was just incredible, I think, during this difficult season. And he's a big part of our success in this year. And when he played, he played amazing. Now, Sam, um, 
that's I, the, the the thing that I um, find most fascinating about I, just to do with all of this is first off how how well regarded Fernandinho is behind the scenes because mm. um, I I didn't really realise until all those you know all the pieces came out about how the title was won just how influential Fernandinho had been behind the scenes as captain he's really relished it hasn't he Yeah 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 um, I mean bit annoyed because I did write about it at some point in like March or something but. Um... Yeah, no, he has been really important. And like Guardiola said something the other day, and I can't remember, it might have been an interview with Fred um, for Brazilian TV. Uh, Fred Caldera, not the one who plays for United. Um, and it, obviously he was asked about Fernandinho. And Guardiola, like, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he was like, oh, we, we found out this season, like what a great person he is. And then, and then he said, obviously, like he's always been great. And this bit is verbatim. He was like, but this season, it's been like 10 times that. And Fernandinho's done a few interviews before. He's done one with Fred a couple of months ago. He's done one with Natalie Jedra for ESPN. They're two Brazilian reporters living in the UK, and they're great. And they always do good interviews with those guys. Um, and he's basically said, he's always been vocal in the dressing room. We've always said, you know, you know, remember when we go back to those debates about, you know, when they lost at Newcastle in 2019 and everyone was like, oh, they've got no leaders and all that kind of stuff. You would at least say, well, at least Fernandinho is one of those leaders. Yeah. So obviously he's been one of those guys on and off the pitch. But... He's said himself that he's really stepped it up this year. He's he's embraced all the different responsibilities. And he's like, Fred asked him, I think, he was like, if you weren't bold, you'd be great by now, wouldn't you? He was like, yeah, definitely. Because like, there's just so much. <laughs> what a he was like, there's just so much. Yeah, yeah. well, this is what I mean. But they're, like, they're really friendly. Like, it's, it, it, it's great to watch. Um, yeah, he just takes on all the responsibilities around the dressing, around the, well, the, the dressing room. But the training ground. So a lot of people are coming up to him saying, what should we do about this? And he, it's the old fashioned kind of English club captain role where, you know, they're sorting out, you know, hams to give away for the Tom, Bro- Tom Bowler raffle at the weekend. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that is that kind of thing. Like he's just, just involved in absolutely everything. And like, he wrote a, he wrote a letter to, to staff towards the end of the year last year, like everyone at the round of the training ground saying like, look, it's been a difficult year, but thanks for all your support and, and all this kind of thing. Um, I think, did I write this? I'm trying to remember if I'm allowed to, to say, but I think there was a couple of staff at the at the CFA, the first team building, and he, um, it, were, it was like November international break, or like travel was allowed or whatever, and he was like, just go and visit. He goes, just, just go and stay at my, my big house in Brazil, and crack on. And like, he just paid for like a couple of staff to go. And they weren't like, they're not like coaches or like physios or anything. And he's just like, yeah, just, like he's just, a really good guy that's involved with everything and like he's just yeah he's just really embraced it yeah and, and it's that it, kind of thing where he's just embedded in, in everything so that's what Guardiola says by he's like he's 10 times the greatness of what he has been already and we know how much of a professional he is and how good he is and how consistent he is and how much of a leader he is anyway that times 10 and then Gundogan using the word immense there which kind of distorted a bit on the zoom audio but he said he's immense like just it's that stuff and it's it, like saying stuff in the quiet moments but also the leading by example and just getting yourself embedded with everything being like a proper guy that's um you know popular around the club in all departments and obviously the 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 way they vote for the captain changed uh last summer guardiola changed it uh, we might come back to this in a couple of weeks if necessary if we have to do an emergency podcast for whatever reason <laughs> but they they changed how they did the captaincy and it was everyone so it wasn't just the players voting; it was now the you know the chefs and whatever the kit men and that. And Fernandinho got it, and he was very grateful for that. Um, and it's, that just goes to show like the esteem he was held in already. And yeah. then yeah, he's become even more involved. And then also, 
Like he's had a bit of a resurgence on the pitch, hasn't he? Because if you think back to, again, the maddest thing that happened this season was Guardiola taking Fernandinho off for Liam Delap six minutes into a game <laughs> against a great team when it's one all. But after that game, people were like, people around City were like, God, is, you know, is, is he all right? Like, is, yeah, can, maybe, he, can he do maybe this? Maybe this year's the year too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's had that resurgence to the extent now that maybe he won't play the final but I expect him to and he's certainly in position to which says all, all you need to know and I'm writing about Juan Malia for the weekend and you know, he's, he's had a role in that um, in Fernandinho's resurgence as well I know I know Paul Hurst in his great piece about how the title was won in the Times he said about Juan Malia having a, a role with Cancelo but Fernandinho as well and they work together to regulate the dressing room in the way that we know that Fernandinho does by now yeah, uh, he's, so yeah, he's thirty-six he's as well, Sam. Thirty. I know it's incredible. It's really, 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 really incredible. But like, uh but like, well, him being thirty-six, you expect him to kind of have that gravitas in the dressing room. But even so, it's not. That's not always the case because we know with David Silva, he was what was he 34, 35 last year? But either yeah. way, same kind of experience, but a different kind of guy, a different kind of leader, and not really a leader at all, really. And Aguero, the same thing. Not really popular. But, well, again, maybe we'll come back to this, but not voted into the ca- captaincy group, um, even despite being a, se- a senior player. But everyone loves him. Like I said the other day, I don't need to tell City fans how much he's loved and, you know, his, his sense of humour and his character and stuff. That, well, that will be missed. That will be really missed. But, yeah, it's not necessarily the case that if you're old and senior or inexperienced or whatever, that you will be a good leader. So you've got that in Fernandinho's favour. But he was playing as number eight the other day when Rodri came on and he got those two assists. Like, he won the ball on the back of... Yeah. <laughs> on the back of the Everton box. It was almost like he was like, right, Sergio, you're scoring today and I'm going to... And I'm going to make it happen, yeah. To make it happen. Just abs- unbelievable, unbelievable. And look, it's, I think we talked about this before. Um, I, I remember I was asked about this on, on Five Live, the night that he won the title when me, you and Neds were on. <laughs> and they were like, oh, there's, there's rumours that Fernandinho's going to stay. And the first thing I said was, well, it's Mike McGrath in the Telegraph that said it. And I, I've not seen him do a City story that's not turned out to be true for starters. So I'm inclined to believe that. But then I, I went and spoke to somebody close to Fernandinho after that. And look, he didn't confirm it by any means. And it was probably the agent brush off of, oh yeah, you know, it'd be sorted at the end of the season kind of thing. And maybe I was reading between the lines or maybe the hints were there and stuff, but it certainly seems like he's going to stay. Um, he was he was thinking about going back to Brazil earlier in the season, but because things have gone so well, it's more like, okay, yeah, maybe we'll do another year. Yeah. And um, also the other thing that makes me believe it as well is and like maybe they didn't want to take the shine away from from Sergio, but like there's been nothing as there to say he's going. And it would have been and look, maybe I look stupid, and maybe on Wednesday afternoon they say, Oh, by the way, the Champions League final is going to be Fernandinho's last game, let's give him a great send off. But there's been nothing as there. And just all all things weighed up, unless he does a company and kind of changes his mind for a, a really new and exciting in, uh, opportunity late in the day. It looks like he'll be around for another year. Yeah. And that's just really, really important. Like, and, and again, if he's accepted his role this year is less on the pitch, maybe next year it'll be even less. But you can imagine that what he does give... It'd be, it'd be, it'd be so brilliant. worth it, isn't it? Yeah. Because like, was it the Everton game in the FA Cup when he was just brilliant? I think it was. Uh, and it, and like, there's just been so many of those this season. And maybe there'll be a bit more few and far between, but it'd be so important on the pitch and particularly, yeah, off it. Yeah. Well, let's turn attention back to uh, the final at the weekend, Sam, because uh, there's another factor that we haven't considered yet. Uh, Antonio Mateo Lajos is the referee, and him and Guardiola have history. Um, have a listen to this. This is I from... Just, I was just 
convincing myself that City are going to win the final easily. And Here we go. I, just, ju- we just need to get this get 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 the elephant in the room discussed uh, because this is yeah, yeah, after yeah. the defeat to Liverpool in 2018, when this same referee wrongly disallowed uh, City's second goal in the second leg, and then uh, to rub salt in the wounds, sent Pep off at half time. Uh, this is what Guardiola said after that game. In that competition, like last season, no, with a Monaco one-one, Aguero goes one against one double keeper. And it's clear, clear penalty, the same referee and, and, and happen. This kind of competition, this kind of actions when the teams are so, so equal, the impact is so, so big. Uh, I didn't insult him. I just said, it's penalty. Say, Mateo, it's pe- I penalty is goal. The ball came for Milner. He said, ah, for Milner came the pass? Yes, for Milner. And when came for Milner, it's not offside. But when they decide, I know him from Spain, so so I could imagine that. I was going to say, were you concerned? Obviously, you mentioned it was the same referee that didn't give you a penalty against Monaco and gave two penalties against you when you played Napoli. Were you concerned when you saw he was... We spoke about that. We know him. The players felt him. Yeah. But please, eh? deserve Liverpool to go through. Wow. Um, can I just... Uh, there's one bit that leaps out to me every time when I listen to that, Sam. I know him from Spain. Wow. On that piece. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, guys. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's the history, isn't it? That's, that's, the the, that's the history. Here's what Guardiola said in Monday's press conference about the referee appointment. Uh, the question comes from Jack Gorn. You talk about the um, small margins in the, these big European games. Obviously, the, the appointment of the referee caught quite a lot of attention when it got announced by UEFA, given the history. Have you, have you spoken to him since that Liverpool match? Have you been in contact? No. Is it the sort of thing that you you just can't allow yourself to worry about before the game and you just got to hope that there's no drama? No one second. I could I could not care less. But you've got conf- you've got confidence that he's able to kind I'm of so manage conf- the game. I'm so, I'm so confident in my team. You cannot imagine how confident I am in my team. And what do you have to do? The the classic you cannot imagine came out there, which is Guardiola's way of shutting down. Yeah, there was a big wink in there as well, which obviously you don't get on the audio. But after he said, I think it was after he said, I could not care less. He did a wink, so I think to at least acknowledge to Jack that he was like, I'm not being a dick, Jack. Sorry, but I can't get into it now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess. But I mean, I do wonder about the history, um, because he's just generally shit. And like Spanish refs, they're just booking people left, right, and centre. And I, I wonder if it's a if it is a, a specific thing with Pep, or it's just a general, I know him from Spain, as in I know he's a moron. Um, and that, I mean, that Milner one, I mean, it could just be put down to incompetence as much as anything else. And there was enough of that. And I mean, look, this like VAR shit, but this is why we've got it. Because that kind of stuff was getting missed. And I know they had like the the little fifth officials down behind the goal with the, with the flags and all, and all that kind of <laughs> thing. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's a it's a concern. It is a concern because you would think with VAR the possibility to give real match changing stuff is is lessened slightly because if he gives a stupid one, the VAR might say no, forget it, and but they're the, more we, we inclined know, to, to we, overturn. I know, but maybe they're more inclined than the Premier League refs are to dig their colleagues out yeah. and say no, that's a bad decision, mate. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I know it's a concern, but then there's there's the little things like. You just start booking people after ten minutes, and then and then people get sent off. Or you just you give the stupid fouls on halfway that disrupt a move that there's just nothing in it, and it just disrupts the flow of the game. But I mean, I suppose, I suppose, like what Guardiola was saying then, as well as moving on from the thing was, 
like if he's got he's got confidence in the players, and I suppose the only thing you can do, and like from from our point of view, and you know City fans' point of view, the only thing you can do is say, you've you've just got to believe that the team will make that not a problem. You know, if De Bruyne scores from twenty yards, if Foden skins the whole team and puts it in the top corner, then they can't rule it out. Yeah, it doesn't um, matter. If they I, don't th- make I think mistakes at the back, then there's no penalties to give. Yeah, I do think well, that. I don't know. That's not necessarily the case. They could give a pen, couldn't well, they? Yeah. But it surely, it surely wouldn't be upheld. But I, I, I do think that's uh, that's the key to this. And you know, I, I, I was joking before when I said the, you know, the classic you cannot imagine comes out because that's Squad Hill's way of shutting down a, a conversation, sort of thing. Um, yeah. But uh, he's right, isn't he? He, he, he cannot, he can't control what the referee does. So he can only control what his team do. So if his team do what he says they'll do, they, they've got a very good chance of winning this game. Whoever's in charge, I could referee this game as, 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 as it, terrible as I would be at keeping up with play. And they'd have just as good a chance because they're playing well. Yeah, but if you were a referee and then I'd give everything to see, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. How many of those five penalties would they miss? Well, uh, no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They're confident in the team. And I suppose it goes back to the mind games thing as well. Because if Guardiola was a bit more of a man for the mind games, if he was a bit more Mourinho or Ferguson or something like that, then, or even Klopp, maybe he'd say something like, oh, you know, well, he's not, he's not going to give us anything. And then people would be like, well, let's put pressure on the referee then to. To show that's not the case, and you know, even if that isn't what would actually happen, even if it didn't influence the referee, again, going back to narratives, I know I've used that word a million times today, it's probably a bit annoying, but that's what people would say. Like it's an it's an attempt to influence the referee. But I, I'm just I'm just trying to think back over the top of my head if he's ever been done for that by the FA. I can't Maybe. think of it. I can't but I don't think he's I, like obviously he didn't do it. But like I say, if he was a bit more Machiavelli about it, he would have. Yeah, he every time he said something like that, but every time he's, he's asked about the referee, the team, doesn't he? yeah, every time he's asked about the referee, he always says, uh, "Yeah, when well, he's not he, one he, 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 he never blinds. Yeah, never blinds. And even in that clip before, when he moaned about him, he was like, "Yeah, but look, listen, Liverpool deserve to go through." Like he'll always say that. Like he'll always, he just he doesn't want excuses ever, really. Yeah. Uh, well, Sam, let's finish about uh, the venue, because even though the organisation was, uh, let's be honest, a bit of a shambles, uh, it does feel right for me that uh, this this match is being played abroad rather than at, at a stadium in uh, in the UK. I understand why it would have been had, there been, um, had it been agreed between UEFA and the government. I was actually calling for it to be in this country, um, but still, it feels like a proper European final, you know, especially yeah. facing an English side on European soil, and that, I think, is... I, it feels different than than it would have done had it been had they been able to schedule it at Wembley. Even though you know, even though that would have made made it easier for more fans to go, I still think I I do I do like that it's not not in England. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like there'll be a nice, like beautiful, scenic spots of a, a great European city that English people can ruin by leaving plastic pint pots around. <laughs> It's just it wouldn't be a European away without it. Uh, but no, like, I think I've said this before. Like Wembley would have been the better bet, the safer bet, the more accessible bet, um, and the, just the better option at this point in history. Um, but like I personally, I much prefer it being in Porto. I think with City obviously paying for the flights, that's helped a lot of fans who couldn't have gone to go. And obviously, they, you know, they've still got the points to qualify, so they're well within their rights to go. So it's opened it up to them. You know, that makes it safer for them. There should be a lot less people at risk of of getting COVID. Um, and look, we in, in 10 days' time, we might be talking about what a shambles it is if 6,000 people come back with COVID. Yeah. Um, but in terms of a match and it being done safely, obviously Portugal is on the greenest for a reason, and I'm not one to 
put much trust in this government at all. But it's not been easy to get on that green list. It's not like they've just said, yeah, Spain, Italy, France, Portugal, Germany, all your favourites, green list, crack on. They've been strict. They have been very strict. I know they've messed up India big time. And Anyway, that's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> we can do that in a bit if you want. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I could talk about City all day. I don't know about that. But yeah, but it's not easy to get on that green list. So it must be like coming here now. Because if you did come to England now, and you went out for, you know, you had two nights in Manchester or in London, and you, you know, you wore a mask and you stayed outside and you did things the right way, you'd probably be all right because cases are low. I know the Indian variant is a, is, a, is a potential problem, but cases are low. You'd be unlucky to catch it. Um, and it's, it's got to be the same situation over in Portugal, really. And the weather's, the weather's better, so you can sit outside. It's not scorching, but it's, Christ, it's better than it has been in the UK for the last month. Well, for the last nine months. Uh, so, it'd be, yeah, it'd be nice. And, look, people can go. And I know there's just the element of a load of City fans who like think like I do. They want an away game. They want a proper trip. They want to do things that they've not done since Real Madrid last year. Yeah. And they want to go to a, a city that, you know, City fans haven't been there a lot recently. It's not like, you know, some people can even get, you know, bored of Barcelona or whatever because they go quite a bit. Um, but Porto, not been there f- since that game when they got fined for coming onto the pitch late when Balotelli was abused and Hulk and all that kind of stuff. So that was a long time ago. Uh, so yeah, like Wembley, the safer bet. And really it should have been in this country. But Porto is it's fan- it's, it's a fantastic opportunity. And as long as everyone's kind of safe and you know all the negative PCR tests are done and everything and everyone does what they need to do and looks after themselves, then it'll be all right. It is, right. uh, it is a chance as well, Sam, to uh, right a wrong from earlier this season because that stadium yeah. is the only one that they've not won at in this season's Champions League. Yeah. Um, and again, you could read into that wherever you wanted. But yeah, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good place for it. And again, it's strange it wasn't even in Lisbon because I think the stadium's more central than Lisbon and the drag house further out. But it, it is a mess and people didn't know in, a, in, a, in enough time and, you know... The, it, it costs a lot for the tests and stuff, but yeah, fair play to City for paying for the flight. Just made it easier for a lot of people, and you know, I know plenty of lads who'd already booked flights and stuff over there anyway. Everybody I know seems to be getting tickets anyway, so it doesn't seem like people are, are too empty-handed. And look, if you're in a position to be spending more than two hundred quid on a ticket, then no, fair play. I, I, I think I'd do the same. Um, obviously, not everyone is. Um, you wait for a shambles for those ticket prices. You know, they played on the fans thing for the Super League for about five minutes and then as soon as the Super League went away they started taking the piss again but yeah. say la vie um, some kind of change that we needed but again that's a different podcast um, I, I just I'm trying to think what should, what should we finish on well I was going to I was going to finish on this the, the game itself well, yeah, I, I, I could I, talk about I could talk about this all day I was going to finish on this because this is uh, Ilkay Gundogan asking or, or being asked what uh, impact having fans in the stadium makes uh, to, to, to players this is what he said it's just great I think it's, it's especially a great occasion also for our fans you know of being able to be for the first time um, in the Champions League again in this season uh in the stadium and uh, straight away in the final, you know, this is, I think, uh, a great possibility for all the fans that are that are traveling. So for us, it's also great for us players. I mean, at the end, we started to love this game because of the emotions, you know, that are transported from, from outside to the pitch, from the pitch to the outside. So the connection, you know, between 
between people on the stands and, and the players on the pitch uh, was always something that we were used to. And then this got taken from us last year and um, it's been difficult to deal with it. Um, even though also you get used to this, to this thing. Um, but it's, it's, it's great, you know, to see people coming back into the stadiums, not just in our own stadium, you know, also all around, all around the league and the Premier League, you know, um, to have people back in the stadiums to watch, even when you watch, you know, like from the television, you know, to, and you see people on the stands again, it's just, it's just great. And uh, this is again, a special occasion, I think, um, to have people back in the stadium. And I'm sure it's going to be a great atmosphere, even though the stadium will not be full. I'm sure it's, it will be a great atmosphere. And, uh, we players, we players enjoy the game exactly like that, you know, exactly with people with people on the stands cheering us. Now I know that uh, the Everton game, for instance, uh, was was only City fans, and I know that it will be a neutral um, kind of atmosphere because of the fact that it will be a fifty fifty split between City and Chelsea fans. Um, but I did feel City played better because because of the fans that were there against Everton. If that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, look, you say the same for Chelsea. Um, but yeah, it's just it'll just be good. Like both teams will draw something from it. It just goes back to what I said at the start. City are the better team. They're in better shape. It's in all senses, you know, in, in terms of very recent form, but the fact that they've been doing what they've been doing for five years, they're they're confident. That's been the story of their Champions League this year. Like I say, even in that PSG first half in Paris when they weren't playing particularly well with the ball, they didn't go out of the game, they stayed solid, they stayed compact and they, they had enough about them to change it around at half time. And executed exactly what they needed to do, and yeah, may have been a bit lucky with the goals, but they were the better team. Uh, and that's how it's going to be. And I was thinking, I think I mentioned this on Monday, but when there was all the celebrations on the pitch and seeing how happy everyone was on the pitch, and obviously everyone in the crowd, and uh, you know, that's you know, that's something everybody was expecting. You know, everyone knew they were going to get the title that day. There was no um, spontaneity about it. And you know, in, in football, spontaneity is that's the best emotion, isn't it? I think it's the old debate: would you rather win? against your rivals with a last-minute goal or 5-0. And I suppose it's like the old Aguero moment, isn't it? Would you rather win the title by like 20 points or would you rather win it in the last second? And I, in terms of the emotion, it's always, always, always going to be the last the last moment thing. And we've got that now with the Champions League on Sunday. There will be spontaneity about it. And if City win, it's just going to be like wherever you are, whether you're in the stadium, whether you're in Porto but outside the stadium, whether you're in Manchester or America or Australia, wherever, it's just going to be like the just the best night, the, the just the it's just going to be the best feeling. So yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, so you're in the the best place to do it, and the, it could be the best night ever. All they got to do is go and do it. I realised when you were speaking then that um, my feelings towards this game, I haven't felt like this in uh, the run up to a game since uh, probably that Queens Park Rangers game in in 2012, where City had the opportunity to win yeah, the yeah, first yeah. title. They, I, I, I definitely felt it in the run-up to the the Stoke FA Cup final game in 2011, where the nerves were, were almost crippling at times just because I'd never seen City lift a trophy at that point and that, that was their opportunity to do it. Um, and I guess that's that's why this one feels feels similar because it's, it's the first time in the Champions League final, it's the first time... You know, it's I as much as I I regard the Champions League as as not the be all and end all of the season. It is still a huge achievement, and we have to acknowledge that. And that is that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm I think that's where the nerves come from that that they've never done it before, and and this is I, I appreciate the hard work that's gone to get them where they are, 
but also know the hard work isn't done yet. And I'm I'm just nervous that they that they don't get the rewards for that hard work now, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um Exactly. And it's the same for me. Like I've said before, I've said months ago I want Pep to win it. This was under the that was the context of, you know, if Messi comes next summer and he wins it with him, you know, he won't get any credit. But I was like, I want Pep to win it. And you know, Messi's not coming, so fine. Um, want him to win it. You know, some some of the players would feel I'd you know I'd feel especially pleased for them, and like so many mates who are City fans now, and like the mad thing is so many mates who I know will be in Porto, and I've seen them tweeting or whatever, you know, put on Instagram that they've got tickets sorted. Just um, and look let, again, like I always say, professionally for me, it's much better when City win. Is makes my job a hell of a lot easier to when you write an article saying how great they are, as opposed to what went wrong, because everyone's just much happier and you don't get abuse and and whatever. Um, so I'm all in. I'm all in on a City win. Uh, I'll be, I, I couldn't say I'd be as nervous as everyone else because, you know, I don't have the whole history of York away and on the hill at Blackburn and all that. <laughs> but um, I will be nervous for them and I'll be good to if they lose. Yeah. Um, but like I said before, it's, uh, well, it's kind of all in their favour, really. I don't know some people will be like, oh, you're saying that so you can knock them down if they lose. Or, or those people don't listen to this podcast, so fine. But no, yeah. they're all, they're all, they're, they're, they're all, you know, the players, they know what they need to do. They're confident in themselves. They've done it before. In terms of winning a match like this, not a Champions League final, not an occasion, but a match like this, they've done it before. They've done it loads of times before. They, they win big games. Um, and yeah, let's just let's just hope they, they do it. Yeah, let's see what happens. That's the end of this special episode of Why Always Us. However the final goes, uh, we'll have a debrief coming in the days that follow it, so do keep an eye out for that. Um, I'm David Mooney. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Ha, yeah, uh, enjoy. You can sign up to The Athletic right now for £3.99 a month for six months with the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.